Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to the one thing. I was just getting very jazz hands then. Uh, you guys can't see that, oh, but uh, Derek was mocking me with his hands. I felt the spirit come over the table. Uh, I'm kind of a, I like to gesticulate. Uh, that's a big word. Derek doesn't like big yeah, words. Uh, welcome to the one thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel center ministry every week. I'm not going to say hello to you. It says say hello to you, but I think I've already done that. Oh, cheap. He's starting early. Oh, yeah. He's starting early. Oh, look, the one thing is brought to you by Geneva Bush, the Australian Church Planning Network. And you press play on episode seven, location, location, location. Last episode, Scott took us through the four L's that lead to launch, one of which was location. It was a ripper. Nailed it. Nailed it last <laughs> But not so much so that we can't talk more on it. Uh, so check out the One Thing Archives if you missed that. But we want to dig further into that because it's a really important consideration as you think about uh, planting uh, and as we think about reaching Australia. And so we're going to dig deeper into it with our uh, good friend, uh, American church planting expert, multi-site expert, Wade Burnett, who's coming out in uh, July this year. Now, Wade's, Wade's one of the principal consultants at Multisite Solutions. Uh, they're an organisation that uh, provides high-level consulting and coaching to help churches develop and implement uh, customised multi-site merger and movement strategies. Uh, we've known yeah Wade from a couple of, couple of years now. I met him actually in a McDonald's, a McDonald's uh, in Nashville Is that right? about three years ago. Yeah. And I introduced him to the concept of brekkie. Yeah. Never had brekkie before. Really? Until that day. He had only eaten two meals a day before that point. <laughs> he didn't know what brekkie was. Oh. Anyway, Wade himself has actually uh, pastored churches. He's merged churches. He's uh, at the moment you know, in the mid- midst of uh, launching a new church, a new multi-ethnic church in Nashville. Mm. Uh, and he's worked alongside loads of churches across uh, the states mm. uh, over the last few years. We caught up with Wade uh, just a few weeks ago. We, he had so much information that we couldn't fit it just into one 15-minute episode. Yep. So, look, instead we left him at home in the States and we conducted his interview over the trusty interwebs. Good morning, Wade Burnett. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, guys. Thank you. Good. Now, Lou, I just uh, uh, want to introduce, we've got Wade Burnett uh, on the line. Wade's coming out to Australia in uh, July, uh, May, July, to uh, help us think through in Australia how it is we uh, reach Australia for the gospel. Just a little bit of background for Wade uh, in case you don't know him, hopefully you get to know him well when he's in Australia. But uh, Wade's planted churches, he's pastored churches, he's merged churches, he's launched multi-site uh, campuses uh, in uh, America, around Nashville and throughout the US. Uh, he works for an organisation called Multi-Site Solutions and uh, he's done a lot of work uh, with coaching pastors, uh, senior leadership at small churches, at very large churches in the US and across Europe. So he's got a lot of experience talking to people and seeing churches at very different stages and helping them think through how it is they uh, rewire, rejig and rethink uh, in order to most effectively uh, use the, the gifts and resources they have to uh, reach those around them with the gospel. So it's a real privilege to have Wade on this morning and it's going to be great to have him out um, uh, in June to talk about multi-site. It's multi-site uh, for every level. Is that right, Scott? Multi-size for every size, from zero to 700. Multi-size for every size. Yep, that's right. So uh, that's Wade Burnett. Thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, Wade, we're we're really keen to um, hear a bit more about your church. So can you tell us briefly about the church that you have been leading uh, or planting in the last uh, 12 months? Sure. Um, I was curious 
a lot of the original multi-site churches were large. Uh, that first wave of the multi-site movement was in really, really, really big churches. Uh, Scott, you visited some on a, on a trip over last year. Yep. Uh, I got to introduce you to some of those. Yeah, I re- remembered your your text about the food court in the church. Um, <laughs> so there's a, there's an, an imprint on everybody's mind about church size uh, when it comes to multi-site. I've been curious for the last couple of years around whether the principles that we've learned in the multi-site movement are, how many of those are transferable to other contexts or other size churches? So uh, one of the things we've been investing in here in Nashville, where I live uh, as a family, is uh, a launch of a church in a uh, immigrant community in Nashville. Um, the church is called The Nations. Uh, it launched with 60 to 80 people um, 18 months or so ago, we, we had uh, 300 people join us for Easter, and uh, it's been wonderful to see. It, it is not all transferable. We've, we've sort of, our joke has been, you know, if you think of like Olympic diving, we've added lots of degrees of difficulty um, with this launch. Uh, but there have been some amazing lessons that have, that have come from that as well. My, my work there is just ending. Um I, I was helping the church get up and get going. Um, we were able to uh, to do that over the course of that 18 months. And now um, that chapter is coming to a close for me. But it's been wonderful. You guys both got to visit there, speak there, preach there. So Yeah, it was great. It was great to visit. It's great to see that you're, I guess you're, you're not only helping churches all across North America, but you're also helping, you know, a church in your own city uh, and with your family as well. I reckon that must be a great experience to be able to, uh, you know, launch a church with your family when you know so often you're launching them at a distance, and uh, you know having your kids involved. It was it was great to see. Uh, I'm I'm keen to talk about location. Uh, one often it's you know one of the most important uh, or the most difficult questions uh, to solve. Now you speak about being sort of 51 percent right about the Australian context. So <laughs> my, so I'd lo- I'd love to hear sort of some of your general rules of thumb when you're engaged by a church, when you're talking to a church about location, what are sort of the key rules of thumb you have for church leaders as you talk about location? Well, I, I may need to, to nuance my phrase. I'm, I feel 51% sure. I, I might be 0% right. Uh, I, <laughs> but I, because it is, uh, Australia is still a place I'm learning. Uh, I, I always want to give, I'm, I'm still learning what you know, is transferable there. Um, although the trip last year was, was incredibly helpful for me as well. Um, yeah. So rules of thumb for me when it comes to location, you know, multi-site is a way of reproducing a congregation. So I'm always interested to see what type of congregation we would be reproducing. Uh, and, and externally just two things stand out to me before I even visit somewhere. Uh, one is size and the other is, uh, the location of the church itself before it even reproduces. And uh, the categories we would use here would be urban, suburban, and rural. Um, each of those are its own distinct animal. Um, urban churches have tend to have, there's exceptions to all of these rules, but urban churches uh, tend to have lots of people around them, but not a lot of available space, or it's prohibitively expensive. Um, 
rural churches tend to have lots and lots of room. You know, you can, can do pretty much whatever you want to in terms of space, but there's not many people. Um, and then suburban churches are sort of a, a middle ground here uh, where the megachurch model grew out of. It's The megachurch model was for a long time primarily a suburban model. So um, we tend to cl- classify or categorize uh, churches initially along those lines. And then uh, when it comes to location, we look at, because you're not just planting a church, you're reproducing your church. We tend to look for uh, the kinds of places that would best help do that. So that's a that's a general starting point for us. So you talk about the sort of 15 to 30 minute rule, and you talk about finding clusters of, you know, clusters of people that are the, the same as your current church. Explain explain that further. What does what does that what does that look like? Yeah. So we we draw a diagram. Um, we could we can do it fairly easily. A, a lot of um, American cities that aren't uh, dictated or affected in any way by geography, like they don't have a mountain range or a river or a bay, a harbor or something, they're laid out. Uh, in squares. So you have a city center and then, you know, it's uh, vertical and horizontal lines coming out of it. And those are roads. And yep. usually there's a loop uh, in the suburbs. Um, what we typically do is just take take that as a stereotypical American city and draw the church right in the middle of the city. And just, uh, we use this to illustrate a point, which is that in, in most contexts here, um, about 90% of the people that attend church, your church, are going to live within a 30-minute drive. Uh, that changes if you get very urban and dense, and public transportation impacts that. Uh, it also changes if you get very rural and spread out, where people are used to driving two hours to go to the store. Um, but in most contexts, the, the general rule, and that's what we're talking about, is that people live within 30 minutes. Um, one of the early learnings from the multi-site movement is that it's easiest to uh, reproduce your church in an area where people know who your church is because they attend there, but not so close that you're already reaching large numbers of those people. Mm-hmm. So again, using the diagram, we would say focus uh, in terms of location, focus out on the edges of your 30-minute reach, and uh, and I guess we should say it's never actually a circle. Mm, yeah. um, when, when, when you plot out the addresses of people that are regularly engaged with your congregation, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shape differently depending on uh, how your context is laid out. But what will happen is you'll see a, a, a defined reach for your congregation. And it's usually uh, for us within 30 minutes. And so we ask churches to look for dense pockets of people attending your church on the edges of that 30-minute reach mm-hmm. so that you have you can launch in a place where people know who you are and are already connected to your church, but it also allows you to reach new people. It extends the reach of your church as well. How do you, how do you balance that off, Wade, between there might be a need in a particular area, but you, the congregation may be, uh, the grouping may be you know, over on the right here, but there's a, an area you think needs to be reached on the left here. How do you balance that tension between, well, do we launch where the people are that we have or launch where the people are that we want to reach? Um, or is it a long game? How do you advise people there? It is a long game. Uh, if, if you purely follow the model, 
And, and this always introduces the tension, right? Because what we get accused of in America is following the model to the exclusion of the Holy Spirit. You know, like we, <laughs> we just want to we just want to know if it works. Um, so we always want to encourage the leaders of churches uh, to follow God's direction, whatever whether that makes sense or not. Right? We we all would affirm mm. that. Um, but what the model would say, and if we stick purely to that, Derek, what the model would say is. Uh, launch in the most, um, launch in your easiest places first. You take the low-hanging fruit, uh, and then uh, you can begin to reach out in triangles to newer or maybe more difficult to reach areas of the city around you as you get the easier ones established. In other words, don't, again, just from purely a model standpoint, don't do the hardest thing hmm. first. Um, you know, these things tend to function either as a sail or as an anchor. Uh, and uh, if they're an anchor, you're going to be pulling them along for a long time. And, and that can be a missional thing. But if you do it first, it makes your future launches that much harder. Um, so we would, again, from just purely a model standpoint, we would typically recommend launching in the place that makes the most sense, uh, looking at the map where your people are, get something established and and healthy and thriving and and uh, creating resources for future launches and then go to some of the more difficult places. We'll come back to Wade shortly, but before we do, we just wanted to point out that uh, Wade's got loads more to say and uh, one of the, the helpful ways you can dive deeper into what he's been saying is to check out the One Thing Toolbox. Okay, so we have a few uh, really good resources to help you think through location. Uh, my top three for this week being, here's number one, Wade Burnett, uh, preparing multiple congregations. This is a uh, video footage we took on him. Uh, last year he did a con- came and did a pre-consultation, pre-conference to multiply uh, to talk about preparing multiple congregations. Uh, it's excellent. It's really good viewing. Uh, the link is in all the links for all these things are in the show notes. The second one is Paul Harrington. Uh, he's uh, he heads up the Trinity Network of Churches, and uh, he in did Adelaide, a, South Australia. Thank you very much in Adelaide. Yep, uh, and so uh, he did a seminar at Multiply last year on mother daughter churches. Uh, that's excellent as well. And the final resource is a, is a book by a guy called Scott McConnell from Lifeway Research. It's an excellent book called uh, uh, on, on multi site. Loads of case studies, loads of stories about uh, how to do multi site church uh, well, and so that's a great book to dive in to find out more about multi-site. Now back to part two of our friendly fireside chat with Wade. It's great having Wade uh, all the way from Nashville. Uh, so if you can hear that twang, yes, Wade is from the south. Um, <laughs> Wade, uh, let, let's get into the building itself. Uh, I, know, I know church is about the people, uh, but they do need to be housed if you want to uh, regularly gather together as a, as a community, as a large community as well. What should you be looking for in a, in a building space? What's your advice that you give to the churches you work with? It's a great question. I, I I heard it said, I don't remember who it was attributed to, that we shape our buildings, then our buildings shape us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, a statement of how significant uh, architecture is to the way we experience gathering together. Um, one of the trends in America over the last 30 years, really in the megachurch movement, has been uh, the move away from uh traditional, conventional, liturgical, religious spaces. Uh, you guys saw this when you were here. You can you can just sort of drive up and down any major street with some history to it, and you'll see old churches that aren't churches anymore. Mm. Um, they're, they're church buildings, but they've been converted to other uses. Uh, 
And at the same time, you see buildings that don't look like churches at all, uh, housing, you know, really significant uh, congregations, at least in terms of size. So um, we've, we've grouped these together, not by function, but more by cost, because what we've seen is churches now using uh, all different kinds of locations uh, to launch. Um, the cheapest for us uh, in America are the portable locations. Typically, that's schools uh, and movie theaters. Sometimes it includes things like a, a rec center or a community center. Uh, but a portable location would be somewhere that you go in and set up church on a Sunday morning. And then when you're done, you take it all down and put it in a trailer and then take the trailer somewhere else. So you- We call that pack-up setup church. So not portable, we call all it right. pack-up setup. But that's, that's helpful, to, helpful to hear that distinction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We would, in terms of, again, purely in terms of the model, We've observed that most churches uh, can get behind that kind of effort for a couple of years, and then it starts to get really old um, to set up and tear down every week. So we, uh, I love pack-up setup models. I love them because of the low cost involved, but we would typically recommend uh, that as a launch location, not as a long-term location. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we would set a hopeful deadline of a couple of years of trying to move from there to something more permanent. Um, I don't know if this is true. I I would just ask this for you guys, but in America, if you purely commute in and out on Sundays, communities tend to not think of you as one of them. They they think of you as, you know, an outsider. So uh, we'd love to see churches get a a 24-7 presence in the community as soon as they can. And that brings us to the end of the show. So, Scott, out of everything Wade had to say, what is the one thing you think people should be taking away when it comes to location? I reckon Wade's helpful helpful sort of analytical tool of thinking about the 15 to 30-minute radius for launching a campus or another site of your church and then post 30 minutes thinking about a church plant. I think that arc, that window, is a really helpful analytical tool as you think about where you're going to start your next new thing. If you'd like to hear more wisdom from Wade, uh, you don't have to wait until he's back on The One Thing. Go over to genevapush.com slash events, and you'll discover that Wade is heading down under for the Travelling Multi-Site Conference. Uh, he is going to uh, – he's going to, you can join him live, in fact, or online in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, uh, as we hear from Wade Burnett on everything to do with multi-site planting. Have a look at uh, genevapush.com forward slash events, and we'll stick, as always, the link in the show notes for you. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode... The man with the most recognisable voice in Australian ministry. He is, this is a good description, actually. He's the John Laws of the gospel. I didn't come up with that description, but no, that is didn't. excellent. Al Stewart will be joining us live in the studio to talk about his one thing, how to create the audience you want through your preaching. Yep. Well, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. Mm-hmm.